Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Hour number two. John Dickinson, Evan Giddings. We're with you until 1 o'clock here. 888-957-9570. we got a couple of phone calls to get to momentarily, so we will do that. We're starting the program talking some Giants. It is not good right now for the San Francisco Giants, to, to say the least. 41-41. and 41. So if, if they were an NBA team, we'd be talking, what, play-in tournament right now, E, right? Which I think they'd gladly take. They'd be happy for the play-in tournament right now if it was the Giants. Oh, anyway, you can find a way to sneak in at this point. I mean, for the Giants, like, the wild card right now, it's, you know, they're, they're not one of the top three teams. They're not one of the top six teams. Right now, they're they're the eighth seed. Like, they're on the outside kind of looking in, fighting for their lives. And, you know, the good part about baseball is at least it's not – an eight seed like scenario where you sneak in and then you get swept or a gentleman sweep in the first round by the one seed, you can hopefully try and find some playoff magic. And I think that's maybe the one light at the end of the, of the tunnel for giants fans is if they can find a way to get in in baseball, anything happens and you might be able to totally make people forget the bad stretches and the terrible baseball that we're seeing right now. If you can sneak into that wild card spot. Well, and the giants are, the biggest fans, I think, in baseball of the added wild card, the third wild card, or the sixth playoff spot in each league, because let's just be honest, you look at, at the, the Padres and the Giants dropping the first two games of, of that series, and it's a much different story this year against the Padres than it was last year, where the Giants had their number and looked looked like the cleaner playing team in the head-to-head matchups, but if, if, if there's no additional wild card compared to the last decade in, in in Major League Baseball, Giants are six and a half games out, and it's over. I mean, we're talking about sell, 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 maybe even tear it down to the studs, but because there is that extra wild card, the Giants do find themselves slipping away a little bit in that race now at three, but still only three 
right uh, just a tick over the halfway mark. Well, this is what I want to throw back at you a little bit here. If there was not a third wild card spot entering this season, would you have expected the Giants to be among the two wild card teams and compete for a playoff spot? No. <laughs> That's I'm just, where I'm at too. Di- well, full disclosure, no. And, and it's funny because I would have thought at that point, I think the, the five that I would have picked are the five that would be in. I think I would have picked the Mets. I picked the Mets to win the East, the Dodgers to win the West. I think Milwaukee was still the best team in the Central. It was going to be Milwaukee or St. Louis. I mean, the Cubs in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati don't yeah. have any action. So I think I think Milwaukee going into the year, I would have projected them to be better. Atlanta, I was a little unsure of, but they played so much of the the year last year without Acuna that you know, just I, I thought. And I know he's been out and came back and and all of that, but I, I, you know, Atlanta looked a little shaky at the beginning, so I thought maybe they'd be in the, in the mix with Atlanta and and St. Louis and maybe Philly. Uh, I mean, yeah. So, but I wouldn't have put them as a lock by any stretch. It would have been a goal, but I. But it kind of makes me wonder if there were only the the five spots in the two wild cards. Would the Giants have maybe done a little more in the offseason? They could have. I do think that one team you mentioned at Atlanta, in a weird way, is kind of a, a hope for the Giants because last season, I know that they were more sellers, or pardon me, buyers at the trade deadline because the NL East is not as good as the NL West last year or, or this season. Um, but, you know, they were a team that was kind of hovering around 500 even into August, and they were able to get yeah. hot down the stretch of the season, of course, ride that wave to a World Series. So, look, things are, are bleak right now. You know, 2 and 8 in your last 10 is not where you want to be. 4 and 14 in your last 18 is not where you want to be. But if you can find a way to weather this storm, and hopefully in this next week, you know, we went through kind of the schedule, the tough schedule that they have coming up in the near future. If you can weather this storm and get back on track, like there's still hope for this season, even if maybe coming in, you know, and there was only two wild card spots, you didn't expect the Giants to be players. No, you, you look at, at the Braves last year, and you're exactly right. I've, I've got it up in, in front of me here. They were 40 and 42 at the at the 82 game mark so they were actually a game worse than than the giants are now uh just a, a tick over the the end of the the first half here or into the second half of the season but yeah you look at, at at where they were at they were as bad as 3 under on July 28th and so it looks like that was their lowest latest point so July 28th they were 50 and 53 and yeah, actually, they were even fifty-one and fifty-four. So yeah, July thirtieth, they were fifty-one and fifty-four, and Oof. that was the 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 late low point. But they went from from fifty-one and fifty-four all the way up to eighty-eight and seventy-three when it was all said and done, and that wound up being enough to get in, and we saw the rest. And and that's also why I think that the Giants, in a weird way, like they won't be big time buyers at the deadline. But the Braves weren't really big time buyers last year either. I know they went on and traded for Peterson, but that didn't really cost them much. They brought in the likes of Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, like good good players, good bats, but not I think we would identify as game changers by any means. And so 
hey, maybe if Farhan these next three weeks sees something or projects something that tells him that, you know, some sort of injection, whether it be not a big name bat, but, you know, a guy who's out there that's available that they can get on the cheap, not not a la Chris Bryant, but just something to mix things up because in a weird way, the Giants to me more than and then at any point this season, they they just feel stale. And maybe that's residue left over from 107 minus the Buster Posey effect, which, you know, you guys got into a lot over the course of this past week. But, you know, just some some different, whether it be a personality, whether it be, you know, a a different type of player, even if it's a platoon, like finding a way to identify if there's a way you can, you know, you can get better marginally because that's what Farhan's whole thing is, right? Like he, he buys and is able to find pluses on the margins. And so there may be some room for that this season, even if San Francisco's kind of around 500 near the deadline, they are three games out of the wild card spot. That's still obtainable. And unlike the NBA, not all playoff spots are, you know, or I should say playoff spots are created more equally than they are, you know, one through eight as we're accustomed to in the NBA. 888-957-9570. Let's get to Mike in Rodeo. Hey, Mike, you're up next here on hey. 95.7 The Game. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, with the, well. year, uh, yeah it, with the Giants this year, yeah, with the Giants this year, I don't think it's going to happen. They they won 107 because a, a third of the team had career years. Posey, um, Brandon Belt, and, and um, uh, the, the short Crawford. Spot, Brandon. Yeah, Crawford. But it's Crawford. It, it's, it's, it's just not happening. And it's too much with the analytics, the computer-generated stuff that Farhan does. It looked good last year because – and. The Giants had good luck too. You have to have a little luck every year, but they had a lot of luck. It's just not, yeah, a lot of luck. But you know, I've been a Giants fan since '62, and I was eight years old, and uh, I still love the Giants. But it's too much of this analytics and stuff. Uh, When when Farhan he talks to. Gabe every freaking day probably and tells him I want you to do this I want you to do that I don't want you to do this and it, it's just too much there's not enough do you think Bob Melvin um, Billy Martin um, uh, Dusty Baker would take some of the stuff that Farhan's saying and they have no input I don't think so that, thanks for the call Mike well Bob Melvin did yeah he, I mean Bob Melvin managed the A's for a decade. And and I, I think he had some things in his career up until the point where he joined the A's in 2011 where some weird circumstances, he had some, some success. He had success with Arizona. He had success even with Seattle before that. But he had some weird endings to, to his tenures and some things that maybe weren't his fault. Maybe, you know, the, it, he, he basically had to change if he wanted to get another job. And I think he was open-minded enough to look at the A's, being a local guy, I think was a big part of it. And he said as much and just loving the Bay Area and being out here and, and the team he, he grew up rooting for. So I think, I think in some ways it was the perfect, perfect reclamation project for Bob Melvin in his own career. But to answer the question and not get lost in the weeds, I mean, Bob Melvin worked for Billy Bean and he worked for Farhan Zaidi and he worked for David Forst and, and – he he knows all about 
and and at times I think had his battles. He knows all about the guys coming down with the with the spreadsheet and hey, here's what you're going to do. And and I don't even think those conversations on the Farhan Kapler side really happen all that often because I think it's just so ingrained in the process of of everything that they do to where you know it, it Gabe knows his role I guess is what I'm what I'm getting at that he does and I also don't think that that's it's that uncommon I I appreciate the call it some great thoughts but and and I see where the kind of you know guys of of analytics makes it difficult to figure out as a fan what exactly is going on when you're you know basically your your whole identity is on a spreadsheet but you know if you look at a, an, an old school guy i think the most old school guy left as a skipper in baseball which is dusty baker even he embraced yes. it like houston is one of the most analytically driven organizations whether you know you give them credit or not and put an asterisk next to their their championship in 2017 like they are a team that uses analytics and uses them effectively and the difference is and this is where to bring it back to San Francisco i you know give a lot of credit to a guy like Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy to be able to use analytics but understand where they don't have a place like Dusty Baker has the veto power to be able in a mid-game situation and of course 50 years, 60 years of experience in baseball to be able to identify where he needs to put his fingerprints on a game. Bruce Bochy was on this station about a month ago with Willard and Dibbs and said that, you know, I I hate that people don't think of me as an analytics manager. Like, I knew the stats. I know what is a good and a bad matchup. But the difference is I know when to press the right button. And, you know, a guy like Melvin maybe hasn't done that as much in his career but you know, to be labeled as "quote unquote" an old school manager now is a little disingenuous to how much knowledge both they have, as well as the communication. It's a, which is a two way street between the front office and the manager's office. No, and and that's you know, I spent a, a lot of years during Bruce Bochy's run in the dugout pregame, you know, covering the team for for the station, and he would he would joke all the time about. You know, platoons like you know that that part of him he's like platoons i was we we're doing pl- platoons in the 80s like yeah. they put it like it's not like the you know and, and he was maybe one of the best in terms of you know bullpen management and getting the right matchup and knowing when to take a guy out and knowing when to leave the lefty in and saving the lefty for 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 this pitcher or for this hitter and you know not getting burned late with a with a a bad matchup so yeah i think i think that's exactly right as far as is just knowing the place but also needing to have the veto power of being able to go with a feel you know what this guy's going to get another inning tonight even though the numbers say we're going to pull him right now you know what this guy has two hits tonight so i'm not going to pull him necessarily because the matchup would dictate uh, that that i pull him because he was in against a righty and now uh, another team has has a lefty i think you know this conversation is is really indicative of of where the giants are at right now and i think it relates to the all-star game uh, the, the all-star starters announced last night and this this is perfect we'll play this cut from Gabe Kapler last night so the all-star starters are announced yesterday e and Jock Peterson is an all-star starter for the Giants having a real nice year 17 home runs he's driven in 41 
and he gets the nod along with uh, Acuna and Mookie Betts and and Jock Peterson uh, in there with Bryce Harper. So uh, your outfield of Acuna Betts and, and Jock Peterson. And so he, because the Giants are, are facing Blake Snell last night, is not in the starting lineup on, on the day where he is basically, he's he becomes an all-star, and then you lose, and Gabe Kapler has to explain it. It's a lengthy answer, but th- this is this is the Giants, I feel like, Evan, in a nutshell right now. Here's, here's Kapler explaining why his all-star didn't start. Jock and I talked about this series, and he was going to get one of the, the starts, either against Gore or, or against Snell off, and decided to give it to him against Snell, start against Gore. He's going to start against, like we talked about this prior to the game, he'll start against some left-handed pitchers. He'll get some at-bats against lefties. I mean, obviously, Tyler Rogers may have come into that game at some point, and Jock was going to face Tyler Rogers. It's not trying to avoid having Jock start against lefties. We think he can do a fine job, but I don't think Jock thinks, I don't think that Jock is built to play every game of the season, and I think we're going to have to find him places where he can be off his feet, and every bit of volume that we can save some of our players that have to get up for every game because even on days that they're not starting they're still trying to get ready for the game so by way of example even though Yaz didn't start today and Belt didn't start today they both had to prepare for that game and Jock as well so knowing that that's how we use our roster knowing that that's the way we intend to score runs we also have to be cognizant of limiting their volume so it's not an indictment you know this but it's not an indictment on the guys who aren't playing. Our roster is built to have our right-handed bats face left-handed pitchers and our left-handed bats face right-handed pitchers. We're not dogmatic about it. It's not a thing set in stone. I think we've demonstrated that too. All right. So a lot, a lot, a lot to chew on there from Gabe Kapler. Uh, the question was asked by John Shea, the Chronicle. The audio is courtesy of NBC Sports Bay Area, so we'll clean that up uh, right off the top. He was addressing John Shea, just saying, "Hey, you know, at some point, he's an all-star. Do you do you think about maybe changing course and just getting him in the lineup?" Period. And a lot to that answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get the first crack at at, at dissecting it. Just just what stood out because that that's just that's the Giants right now in a nutshell. Well, Gabe Kapler sounded like me in that first segment. He was just talking around in circles. Like, I I didn't really understand what he was trying to get at because, and this is the tough part, especially in a game like last night. Not only does Jock become an all-star starter, a big deal whether you make a big deal of MLB all-stars or not. Like, that is a big deal to have a starter in the all-star game especially one that you picked up. That's a huge move in the offseason. That, that's a win. Your main free agent signing that's, is that an all-star. Is that is a win. And he's not on the field on the same day that the team you're playing against gets their starting third baseman named to the all-star game, and he goes deep in the first inning. That's Manny Machado. So you literally have the most stark contrast of what the Giants are and what the Padres currently are in the first inning of the game, and that that to me as a fan, like that would feel bad because I want to see Jock go up there and try and go, you know, home run for home run with Machado. Like I want to see him compete, but at the same time, 
I also understand why Kapler doesn't want Jock Peterson facing Blake Snell. Because if you look at the splits, if you look at the spreadsheet, which as we've discussed at length, that is what the Giants abide by. In 31 at-bats this season, Jock Peterson is hitting 226 with a 694 OPS against righties. He's 270 with a 916 OPS, and he's played six times. He has six times as many more at-bats against righties. Like that is his wheelhouse. But the issue is that you don't have enough of those quote-unquote platoon options, I think, to be able to make the decision that you're taking your best bat out of the lineup against, you know, Blake Snell may not be the Cy Young he was a couple of years ago, but that's still a good pitcher. And in order to beat good pitching, you need good hitting. And I think it's hard for fans to understand, and it's hard for me to understand that you would take a guy who you know, is named an all-star starter, has been your best bet this season out of a lineup against a team that you're trying to come back. You lost a hard-fought game on Friday night. You're trying to bounce back. You have a pitcher on the mound that's probably going to give up some runs in Sammy Long, even though he'd been very good as of late out of the bullpen. I want my best bat in the lineup, whether or not it's a left-on-left or a bad matchup for him. That's where, that's where I think a lot of fans are at, J.D. They're just stuck right now because... The, the reason they would say that Jock Peterson is an all-star is because of the way that they've deployed him. And I, I do think as much as Gabe there talked in circles, and, and at one point I think, and I'm not really coming down his road, but I think he said something about Jock facing Tyler Rogers. I think he meant Taylor Rogers. Yes, but yes, he did. Like, I would love Jock Peterson to face Tyler Rogers. That's, <laughs> can Jock Peterson face Tyler Rogers? Every you know, and every at bat, I think his OPS would be north of one. Yeah, he had a lot more point. than seventeen bombs. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it'd be north of a thousand. Uh, but I like that matchup. But no, it just it it really is just where this Giants team is at right now. It's it's what makes them great is also kind of kind of hamstringing them. And I think they just haven't. This wasn't an issue last year because. And I know Jock Peterson was playing for Chicago and, and Atlanta, but the reason it wasn't an issue last year was because inevitably the Jock Peterson role last year, last night, would have come up in the eighth inning or the ninth inning pinch hitting and hit a game-tying home run <laughs> or been in the game in the tenth inning after Brandon Belt tied the game with a two-run homer because the Giants' bullpen kept the Padres on three for the entire night after the first inning. Like, like that's where it's subtle, but you see just the, the differences between the way things played. And then nobody's talking about the fact that Jock Peterson didn't start because he came off the bench against a matchup and help them win a game. Yeah, and, and also on the Comcast Business text line, the 650 with the good point, I think that's the way a lot of fans are feeling is not starting Jock Peterson also makes it look like Kapler doesn't have faith in him. Now, I, I don't know if it, you know, it, it doesn't affect Jock's confidence by any means because he understands where he's going to be used. But, you know, if you're Kapler, like, also one of the, not an issue, but one of the things that, that kind of made me turn my head a little bit is when he's talking about this, I don't feel like, as opposed to last year, where it sounded like he's you know, taking us inside the process, he's giving us the truth. I don't feel like I'm getting, and, and I know he can't come out and say, hey, you know, Jock's hitting 220 against lefties. Blake Snell's got a really good fastball. Got a, he's, he's, heavy on the, he's, pardon me, he's heavy on the spin. 
and Jock Peterson isn't great against guy with high spin rates. He can't say that. But when he comes out and says, you know, we we still, you know, we believe in Jock. We think he's good against lefties. You know, we're still going to try and find a way to, you know, move him in. He's going to hit against Mackenzie Gore. Like all of the all of the stats would tell you that you don't believe in him against lefties, and yet you're coming out and trying to, you know, reaffirm our faith in not only Jock but your decision making. And that's kind of where I, I I fall off the Kapler wagon. Like I would rather have you just come out and say exactly what happened last night, which was even though he is an all-star starter, he wasn't in a position to succeed last night. A lot of fans may not want to hear that about their best hitter, but to your point, JD, that's where the Giants are. Like we don't well sorry, that but we, we don't no, know. No, and the other part is he's a fan favorite too. And and on a team that really doesn't have a lot of fan favorites and the guys who were fan favorites aren't playing as much or as well, Lamont Wade Jr. Yeah compared to where they were last year. The old fan favorites, Crawford and Belt, are not playing at that level. Buster Posey's not around, so it just it compounds matters because Jock is... You know, Jock Peterson in 2022 is a dude that would have fit the 2010, 12, and 14 Giants in terms of just being the kind of personality that, that really was the, the foundation of what became the secret sauce to, to, to their, to their success. Yeah. And I think also not having a player, like people have talked to, I, I was, I was talking to some, you know, members of the night show last night and they were discussing how the giants have, have always been quote unquote boring. And I, I don't think that that's been the case yeah. at all. Like, I, I think that they've had they a weren't last year. Well, they, they were the most exciting team in baseball last year. But but even going back to, to the 2010, 12, 14, like, even though they, quote unquote, had not very vocal leadership, they were entertaining players. Like, I you could never tell me that Pablo Sandoval is not an entertaining player. Even a guy like Juan Uribe, like, there are players that do things on the field that make you say, wow. And right now, the Giants just don't have any of them. All right, he's Evan Giddings. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. We'll come back. We'll tie off this conversation. We still haven't addressed the prospects. I think that's the, the last part of the equation. Uh, who's coming? How long are they taking to get here? And are there a few prospects that should have been here already and contributing? We'll discuss that coming up next. It's J.D. and Evan on a Saturday. Tell one here on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now back to 95.7 The Game. Rolling along here on a Saturday, John Dickinson and Evan Giddings, 888-957-9570. Wrapping up the Giants conversation, I think, with San Francisco 41 and 41. Coming up top of the hour, uh, we'll get into the Warriors in a little bit. I got, I, I still got to give you my just my rubric, my my grading scale for how to evaluate Summer League properly. I see a lot of people going crazy, both ends of the spectrum. And look, the people are warrior gaga right now, and it, it and it, it makes sense. People are going nuts over the Warriors coming off the title and all the young talent in the summer league. Moses Moody played well. Jonathan Kaminga didn't. Coming up at the top of the hour, 11 o'clock, I'll, I'll tell you, all right, what, what really matters, Evan, and what really doesn't? Because I think you're... I think you went and bought your uh, you, you went and got your Moses Moody jersey last night, right? <laughs> I've had one. It's been sitting in the closet because I've been waiting for Moses Moody to take the floor. And ever since I saw him, you know, drop what was it? He had a career high forty something points in a Santa Cruz game last year. I've been on the Moody train, and so I'm very happy to hear why I need to both tamper expectations from him as well as Jonathan Kaminga, who didn't have a good game. No, he he did not. And James Wiseman going to play tomorrow, at least on track. The the ramp up may be complete, Evan, as far as uh, <laughs> James Wiseman goes. But but really, I think the the key question is not necessarily him playing tomorrow, but it's how's he going to feel after playing tomorrow. You know, can he can he play tomorrow and then play Tuesday? Can he play tomorrow and then play Tuesday and play Friday and then not have you know any issues? Uh, so that remains to be seen. So, yeah, we'll, we'll switch gears. We'll talk some Warriors coming up at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, and you know, the Warriors, they have prospects, yes, right? They do. And the Giants have prospects as well. And we had a caller in, in the first hour, and we never quite got to it, but I do think it's it it's worth bringing up. And his, his question was, have the Giants, or if some of the timelines maybe been adjusted to the point where players that that were projected to already be here and contributing aren't quite here 
and contributing at least at the at a, a small level and and how much is that maybe impacting the the fact that this team is is middling right now at at, at 41 and 41 i i do think there are like the lucianos and the harrisons and luis matos and and bednar uh, the, the right-handed pitcher. I think you look at their their top four on the MLB you know, prospect rankings. The, those guys are, are are on schedule at this point. Like they, they they are should not be here. Did not project to be here. Aren't here. But everything is still. Hey, these guys are really good and are going to be a major part of things at some point in the next. I would say two years. You you on board with that to this point. I think so. I mean, right now, the MILB pipeline has the Giants ranked as the 11th farm system. So they, they have come a long way since the farm system that Farhan inherited, whether you want to make the math three or four years ago. Um, you know, they've gotten a lot better. And I think also, you know, the estimated time of arrival to me is hopefully best case scenario next September. Now, that can change depending on if the Giants are competing and if they feel like they have room to bring guys up, but you're going to see, I think, a lot of these, you know, one, two, three, four, uh, seven, eight numbered prospects guys in spring training next season. And that hopefully gives you a better idea of when they'll be up. 2023, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of these guys come through, especially at the same time, because the team that I'm looking at right now as it pertains to the Giants farm system is the Eugene Emeralds. Like They have a lot of especially position players that are playing together, and from having the chance to work a little bit in the minor leagues for, for three-plus seasons, seeing the way that guys can create chemistry and learn especially how to win at the lower levels tends to translate once you're good enough to get to the majors. And you want to have guys that have played together, that have created some sort of camaraderie. You know, right now, Hunter Bishop, Jairo Pomares, Marco Luciano, Luis Matos, all of those position players who are all in the top 10 as far as the rankings go in the Giants farm system are all on the same team. Now, the statistics aren't necessarily great. You know, Hunter Bishop's hitting... 227 right now, Primaris 218. But a guy like Luciano, you know, he has a close to 900 OPS, granted, at, at high A Eugene, but that is going to, I think, give Zaidi some more confidence to be able to expedite his process. Bailey's hovering around 202. You know, but but that's the team to keep an eye on and see where they go from here because how they finish the season to me dictates their track next year, whether it's September of twenty twenty three, maybe even around, you know, the midway mark of twenty twenty three if the season doesn't go the right way for the Giants. And if not, then I expect it to be early in twenty twenty four. So it sounds weird that you're looking at a year, year plus, two years down the line. But in a strange way, J.D., they aren't as far as I think a lot of people see them as. They're they're far away from completing the entire picture, which you laid out really well yesterday with, with Guru from 12 to 3. The fact that they're trying to you know bring up the homegrown core and then add the big piece, the big arm, the big bat to be able to go out and spend the way that the Dodgers or the Boston Red Sox do. But right now, to me, their farm system is where it should be, which is growing together, and it's growing hopefully more rapidly as we move through this season, and then that tells us exactly when they come up, whether it's 2023 or 24. Yeah, and I think they're they're also trying not to 
to do what we've seen other teams do while these prospects are, are developing in the minor leagues, and that is be a god-awful, hundred-loss kind of a team. And, mm-hmm. and I think you know it also plays into, if you do decide you're going to sell, a big part of that conversation, and, and I, don't, I don't think any of the names you've mentioned are, are in play, uh, the, the, the high-end guys that are playing at, at, at low A, or, or at, at high A, rather, it's really more about you know if you decide to sell do you have players at at the the double and triple a level that would be available to come up and and use the final couple of months of the season for development at the big league level like do you do you essentially tap out at some point because you make trades and then is ramos ready is joey bart going to going to get an opportunity to play whether he's going to be successful or not because i think when you look at a lot of the names you mentioned the lucianos and 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 matos and 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 some of those pomares you know th- those guys even bishop you know those guys i think are on track where maybe things have gotten a little bit skewed or where it's it's a little bit more questionable is is elliot ramos is you know, Patrick Bailey's development, and not that he would be here now, but I think there's a belief that he would be farther along. Will Wilson, uh, who's playing at, at AAA and, and was thought to maybe be a, a, a reinforcement. Jelly was somebody that, that has plummeted as he's gotten older, and, and we see him come up, and, and he's just... Yeah, it looks great when he's on the mound, but he had nothing for the White Sox when when he was thrown into that game six days ago. So I do think there are a couple of names, and and let me know if you you disagree or or maybe I'm off on on a name or two there, but I think those are some of the names where if a couple of those guys were a little bit more ready, they'd be able to bridge the gap with some of what they haven't had from the scrap heap guys or the veteran guys to this point. I see what you're saying there, and I also think that's why some people are questioning the farm system as a whole. It's because all of the guys that people are excited about are also the guys that have multiple levels left to get through, right? You, you know, you mentioned guys in high A. We talk about Eugene. Right now, Elliot Ramos is is the closest impact, specifically position player, that is, you know, closest that we've seen in in the majors. I know he struggled in his cup of coffee up to the show, but he's back down in Sacramento. Things haven't been going great for him. I think the average is hovering around 225, but he's someone that you would hope can at least give you some hope in the future because right now at age 22, you know, Ramos maybe isn't ready to be an everyday position player in the majors, but if he comes up and has a moment where you know he is involved in a late game comeback where he makes a nice catch in the outfield that in and of itself I think gives fans hope that the Giants are doing something right at the minor league level and right now outside of Sac- well, Sacramento is really the only place that you know some of these impact guys can be for this season and none of them to me are are game changers like you know we've seen Kervin Castro come up he's been he's been fine you know Sean Kyle, like it's it's been fine, but but no guys. I'd say Kyle Harrison. It would be the closest. And if things trend this year the way they've been lately, I think we will see Kyle Harrison, their number two prospect, at some point in September because he has been very dominant at each level he's been at thus far. Currently in Double A Richmond, and to give him an opportunity to get 
acclimated to the major league level, I think would be huge for his growth. And I think at age 20 would also give a lot of fans reason to believe again in the farm system that again, rankings wise is actually pretty good. It's in the top half of baseball, but we just don't, we don't feel it right now because we aren't seeing it at Oracle. No, and I think there comes a point with with Ramos specifically where, and and I don't necessarily know that we're there yet. And I, I think VR is is somebody who, yeah, you know, I'm I'm interested to see a little bit more of him, maybe uh, at least against left handed pitching, and kind of see how it, it it plays out. But there comes a point where this team is void of of right handed juice basically in in terms of the hitting department and that's one area where Ramos can can provide it um and so at some point can you get Ramos into the game you know just get him up and playing at least against lefties to where you know if it means maybe Darren Ruff isn't going to be playing as much then maybe Darren Ruff's not playing as much maybe Austin Slater who isn't what he was last year when he was super clutch and and playing a great outfield, which neither one of those things have been true this year. <laughs> Maybe you get him out. So I, I, I tend to lean a little bit more veteran, but I can also see where at some point, and again, this is why the next three weeks are so so critical, I think, for the Giants at some point. And I know a lot of Giants fans are already there. A lot of Giants fans, like, you get to you get to 500 and you're uninteresting and you're third in the division and you look at the Padres and the energy they play with and the Dodgers who are loaded and, you know, it flips fast and it has over the years where Giants fans very quickly will just say, screw this, I want to see the young talent. If we're not going to see the, 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 the name stars that we like and want to buy their jerseys, then 500 ain't for us. <laughs> like let's, let's see the young players and, and, and try to look, look toward the future. The Giants, though, have been reluctant to do that over the years and I think it's still a big part of the reason why Farhan Zaidi has the job that that he does is that they don't want to be a hundred loss team while they're trying to to figure it out that that is worse and I don't necessarily disagree with that no but I I also think he he gets like he he gets docked points because he's trying to win in a way, and and I think that he doesn't follow the trend in in baseball too, but also in the NBA and the NFL, where the worst place you can be is five hundred and on the edge of the playoffs, looking in. Like you never want to be in kind of that that sports purgatory. Fans would either, of course, prefer that you're winning and you're contending, or that you just absolutely suck and that you find a way to to use that because. At least, like fans, I think at this point are are trying to figure out whether or not they want to tune in or out to the Giants. They don't have really a reason to tune out yet because, although they're playing poorly, they still are within three games of the last wild card spot. But there also isn't anything to watch on the field, especially on a day like yesterday when you have an All Star starter that's not in the lineup for an odd reason, and. It just gives fans it gives fans pause, and I also think, and you know, I don't know if we want to transition now or, or or at the next segment, but the Warriors to me play into this too, unrealistically. But you know, two years before they won the championship, they're a fifteen win team. Like fans want to see that sort of immediate jump that just isn't realistic, especially in the game of baseball with how long it takes to develop and groom homegrown grown talent. 
I think in baseball, you're you're never as far away as as you think you are unless you choose to be. And I think the the Giants winning 107 games last year is is a perfect example of that. It, it's especially when you have sharp minds in your front office. And I think Farhan Zaidi and, and, and Scott Harris are, are, are two of the sharpest and, and have been in a bunch of really successful organizations that have been able to cobble a lot of winning teams together. And so I think the nature of baseball, when you have an analytically driven front office to the extent that the Giants now are, is you may go from 500 to really good to back to 500 to maybe really good if some of the lottery ticket type players that are traded for or found on the on the scrap heap hit in any given year we, we've seen this with the A's over the years and it's it's not a it's not an apples to apples but we've seen a couple of years 12 and 18 come to mind where you take some flyers on some veteran type players and they all just come together and are super clutch and have have career years or career halves and you win a bunch of games late and you maybe overachieve a little bit but we've also seen other years where you know the Billy Butlers don't work and and not only do the, the Matt Holidays don't work and it just it it winds up just because it doesn't work one time doesn't mean it's not going to work. There's a variance, I guess, when you don't have the bona fide everyday players up and down your roster. The Giants are trying to get to that point. I think the model for the Giants is cobble it together, find your homegrown stars, sign them. Like I think that's where the A's-Rays comparison breaks off like yeah. I don't think the giant when the Giants find their Matt Chapman and their Matt Olson whenever that happens and I know they're hoping it's by 24 at the latest that they got a couple of those guys up they're keeping them like they're not they're not going to trade them and necessarily flip the script and, and all of that they just have to get those guys but I think in the meantime it is more of that that raise A's type approach it is but it, it hasn't worked out this year I think also because and, you know, we're talking about how Kapler once is trying to, you know, limit Jock Peterson against lefties. And that's the reason why he didn't play last night. But he'll play in the future against some lefties and will primarily be, a you know, a right-handed hitting batter. But if you look at a guy like Darren Ruff, the opposite has kind of come to fruition where I think a guy like him and some of the players in the lineup, like they have maybe been playing a little bit too much. I'm just looking at what Dar- Darren Ruff did last year. He had 262 at-bats, obviously had a career season, 16 bombs, was clutch, and was a fan favorite for the Giants. But then if you look at this year, like he's almost equaled that amount of at-bats due to necessity that he did last season. He's at 225, and he's hitting 225. So sometimes the overexposure does come back to bite you, and I think that's where Kapler is stuck between this rock and a hard place where he knows that... On paper, a guy like Ruff or players like Ruff cannot succeed if they are continually you know, pegged as everyday players. But you don't have any options at this point because 
You got Luis Gonzalez, who's on the IL, be coming off soon, but he's right there now. Listel is on the IL. Longoria is on the IL. Like, you need to play someone. You need to get guys in the lineup, and you need to try and still win games, but you're not in a position to put players in a spot where they are maximizing their potential. And that's what he's running into now. And there's really... Like he doesn't have a to me he doesn't have a backup. Like last year there was even though everything was working there was always some sort of of card that he could play in a later innings whether it's with a a bat or an arm. This year there really isn't that option for him because of injuries, because of limited ability, because of of you know performance being down both with the hitters and pitchers. And so he just feels kind of stuck. Like, I think he is, and the way he talks, representative of where this Giants team is now, which is wondering what side of 500 they're on. Because if you ask, I bet if you ask you know, the 25 guys in that locker room, you'd probably get 25 different answers. And that that was yeah. not the case last year. They were all on the same page. No, they were. I think as far as, as, as Kapler goes and, 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 and some of the, the players... They were they were just really good front runners last year, and not and not that they were leading the division the whole the whole way. I don't mean it like that, but they were they were front runners in terms of what their expectations were. Like they benefited from no expectations. Hey, they had a decent second half of the sixty game year, and so you know maybe they could be a little bit better than expected going going into twenty one. But then they became so good that I think it was just it, it was easy to to explain it and and you know you, you were winning in so many magical ways that you go back and it's just you know platitudes for this and that and things that would never be even talked about half the time if they were still a good team but not necessarily winning at the at the level that they were winning at uh, where are you at on the on just the 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 big picture of Hey, this is year four. I know that was a big topic of conversation yesterday uh, with, with me and Goo. And, and for those that don't know, obviously producer E is uh, co-host E today. Evan <laughs> Giddings joining me here, the producer of Steiny and Guru Show. Uh, so yeah, been working with him the last couple of days, and, and will more next week. And, and great to do the show today with you, E. But as far as the like, I, I go back to a 2019, a wash in that it's the it's the first year you're trying to figure out what you have i don't count 2020 i know guru vehemently does count 2020 and then last year you won 107 in in some ways you could say and this year isn't a disappointment yet but in some ways you could say this would be the first disapp- real disappointing year of this farhan zaidi regime it is and i i don't i don't necessarily count 2020 you know as a as an indication of whether a team was good or bad, but I think it does count as far as the front office is concerned because that, I mean, you were, you were the the general manager, you're the president of baseball operations. Like you were in control whether or not the, the product on the field was, you know, indicative of a, of a full sample size season. I think that where I'm at with this season is you know, I, I didn't expect them to be as good as they were last year. I didn't ex- I didn't think that last year was necessarily flukish, but I understand the argument for and against it. I think this year is disappointing just because of the – to me, when I watch a baseball team, whether they're good, bad, horrible, I want to see energy. I want to see fight. And to me, there's been none of that with the Giants, especially compared to last year. Like – 
they set such high expectations for this group, which was in large part ran back from last season, and they have not had the same juice in the lineup, probably in the locker room, certainly not in the pitching staff. And that, I think, is a really difficult thing to grapple with as a fan because not, not that you, you get spoiled, but you know, 107 is not a normal season, but neither is falling you know, 30 to 25 games potentially from that 107 spot. And looking ahead, they're going to have to figure out how to correct that quickly to get back on track because if they do flounder, if they do miss the playoffs this season, then next season becomes the real, all right, well, I don't know if this process is working. And that's yeah, the question that people are going to have next year. No, and I think I think that's something to sort of bookmark moving forward for, for right now and for the rest of this. I, I My read on the Giants is they could benefit in a way from, and I think already have the last couple of years from, from a lack of expectations, like no expectations after they were so bad at the beginning of 20, then they finished strong. Very few expectations last year. They're awesome. You got more expectations this year. They're not meeting them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the slide continued a little bit and then they actually got hot once, once everybody completely writes them off and starts talking about the 49ers and and Trey Lance and and moving on toward uh toward toward that point of the of the sports calendar. Good conversation these first 2 hours. John Dickinson, Evan Giddings, we're going to switch gears. We are going to talk some Warriors. Uh a, a brilliant summer league display from one young warrior, another one that makes you kind of go, huh? What what to what to make of all of that coming back next? It's JD and Evan on 957 the game. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.